Chapter One of Zara the Cruel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Zara the Cruel by Joan Conquest. Chapter One. From the afternoon it will appear if the night will be clear. Arabic proverb. Zara the Cruel leaned on the wall which surrounded the chapel of the monastery, built by early Christians in the fifth century, and looked down at two dogs fighting up on the plateau near the water's edge. Twenty years had passed since Sheikh Mohammed Abda, so called by his men who adored him, had adopted the natural stronghold in a desert waste his home, naming it the sanctuary, unwitting that he poached upon the poetical tendencies of the long-dead holy palladius fifteen years since he had taken to wife mercedes the beautiful spaniard the arrogant daughter of an impoverished spanish grandee who made prisoner as she journeyed on business bent across the arabian peninsula in the company of her high-born and feckless father had condescended to marry the notorious robber sheik in exchange for the liberty of her progenitor and the safe conduct of himself and his retinue out of the country. She had condescended to marry him, but in the secret places of her passionate, adventurous heart she had come most truly to love him, so that the years preceding the birth of their daughter had been years of happiness, years in which, although the raids upon caravans and peoples had been as fierce and bloody as before, the lot of the prisoners had been considerably lightened until those who had not the wherewithal to pay the ransom demanded had come to sing as they set about their task of herding cattle tending harvest or working to strengthen and beautify the ruins up on the mountain side those who had the means or friends altruistic enough to raise the ransom had paid it and taken their departure with a feeling of regret in their hearts many had thrown in their lot with the outlawed chief whilst the physically undesirable had been liberated at once and sent packing on the homeward trek so that harmony had reigned in the strange place and the welfare of the brotherhood had increased a hundredfold three years later mercedes died leaving in her stead a woman-child upon whom the sheik poured out the adoration of his stricken heart a strange quiet woman-child who had neither cried nor laughed as she had laid in her father's arms staring past him out of tawny, opalescent eyes. And as she grew, beautiful, cruel, and relentless as the desert to which she belonged, so did unrest and fear and passion grow in the erstwhile happy community, until women ran and seized their children, so that her shadow should not fall upon them. Prisoners shrank at sight or sound of her, and the men, hating her in their hearts, yet hypnotized by her beauty and her great daring, whispered amongst themselves as they questioned the one, the other, as to the next whim or new punishment her ungovernable temperament would invent. For an Arabian she was well educated. Vain as a peacock, she forced herself, loathing it the while, to take advantage of every opportunity of learning which presented itself, solely with the object of shining before the men, who with the exception of one nicknamed the patriarch were as illiterate as most arabs are a learned armenian a spaniard and a frenchman 
made prisoners through an injudicious display of wealth had each had the sentence of a heavy ransom commuted to that of two years instruction to the sheikh's almost ungovernable daughter the jew had taught her to read and to write whilst thoroughly appreciating his robber host hearty hospitality the spaniard had taught her his language and the dances of his country whilst enjoying the wild life he had led between lessons the frenchman had taught her his language and the use of the foils and had asked for her hand in marriage to be thoroughly surprised at a blunt refusal she read everything she could get hold of lining the reconstructed walls of two cells which had once echoed the prayers and witnessed the austerities of the holy monks with books brought by caravans from the port of Jira. She could eat quite nicely with a knife and fork, and manipulate a fingered napkin with some dexterity, but showed a preference for her fingers, which she wiped upon the carpet or by digging them into the hot sand, and her splendid white teeth for the process of separating meat from bone. From her father she undoubtedly came by her magnificent horsemanship, and surpassing skill in the use of weapons of self-defense he delighted in her physical training spending hours with her either in a room which had been fitted up as a gymnasium after the counseling of the frenchman or on the plateau pitting her skill with spear rifle and revolver against that of youths of her own age or away in the desert riding with the magnificent horses for which he had become famous throughout the peninsula trained to a hair with a ripple of muscle under the velvety creamy skin which the sun barely bronzed she could at last throw an unbroken horse with any of her father's followers or ride it bareback out into the mystery of the terrible desert heedless of its efforts to dismount her driving it farther and farther with little golden spurs until with its pride shattered and its heart almost broken she would race it back utterly spent to the shade of the mountains she joined the enthusiastic men in the sports they got up amongst themselves to pass the monotony of leisure hours or hunted with them for the sheer joy of killing laughing with delight when she brought down ostrich or gazelle firing at carrion for the sole purpose of keeping her hand in leaving the birds to die where they fell born and bred in the heat of the tropics which hastens the physical development of both sexes in the eastern races she was almost full grown upon her twelfth birthday she inherited the beauty of her mother save for the color of her hair which rioted over her head in short curls and flamed like the setting sun and the color of her eyes which shone like a topaz in the moonlight or as the storm-whipped desert according to the violence or moderation of her mood through the andalusian strain in her mixed blood she had come by her perfect hands and feet and teeth and to the same source was she a thousand times indebted for the grace of her movements and gait and the assurance of her pose her father's tenacity was abnormally developed in her it had helped him cling to life in the first turbulent years in the desolate sanctuary it helped her to beat down his almost indomitable will over matters both great and small until save for an occasional outburst of authority he was as wax in her slender hands of his great-heartedness his charity towards the needy for whom he so often robbed the wealthy with much violence and bloodshed his justice and understanding 
she had not one particle in her heart of stone as she had not a glimmer of the humor and tenderness which had served to balance her mother's arrogance and passionate nature in her the crossing of the races exaggerating the defects minimizing the merits of her parentage had resulted in a terrible streak of cruelty which roused a fierce hatred in the heart of man and beast virile ambitious relentless she was cursed from birth by the strength of her dual nationality driven beaten horses did her bidding but had never been known to answer to her call dogs hated her instinctively but feared her not one bit her arm still showed would always show the marks of roddy's teeth when from an incredible distance the greyhound bitch leapt upon her to revenge the death by drowning of one pup which had angered the girl by its continual whimpering for her life she dared not visit the kennels unattended she had tried but had failed to bring about the fall of yusef of the wondrous eyes who loved the sheikh as a brother and would have laid down his life for him if he had so desired she hated him for his beauty for his indifference towards her for the love he inspired in animals roddy the famous greyhound lula the fastest mare Thom, the peerless dromedary were all his allah how she hated him he responded to her hate with a hate transcending that of his own dog the maddened bitch he had hated her blindly from the very beginning for causing the death of the woman who had brought such happiness to his friend for usurping her place in his place in the sheikh's heart for her cruelty her tyranny her utter disregard of the happiness and welfare of others he set himself to thwart the child in every possible way and upon every possible occasion craftily so that none should point to him as the author of the contretemps which so strangely and so frequently befell her from the day she could understand until the dawn of her tenth birthday misfortune after misfortune fell upon her until those who met her covertly made the gesture used all the world over to avert the evil eye whilst the sheikh tore his beard in secret as he tried to elucidate the mysteries of the dead mayor the broken spears the disappearance almost within sight of the sanctuary of an entire caravan laden with gifts for her and other calamities which had befallen his offspring in whom blinded as unfortunately are so many doting parents he saw no fault but when the sun rose on the anniversary of zara's tenth year of life yusef's hate as is the want of unbridled passions turned back upon him whilst tragedy followed close upon his heels as he wended his way to the hall of judgment by one of the many paths he had made in his love of solitude amongst the rocks mohammed abd looked up at the handsome face and smiled into the wondrous eyes which looked down into his in such splendid friendliness and bade him sit beside him on the carpet upon which were spread gifts of gold and silver ivory and glass and silk to celebrate the festival zara would ride thy mare lula in the gazoo this night little brother behold would she be well mounted when gaining the title of hadiya by leading the men to the attack even as did ayesha the wife of mohammed the prophet of allah the one and only god she would ride lula replied yusuf slowly ignoring the girl entirely intentionally so as to rouse her anger lula 
descendant of the mare that brought thee safely across the path so many moons ago? As it happened, Zara did not mind if she rode the mare or stallion in her first raid upon a caravan, which had been reported as travelling, heavily laden, towards Huta. Foiled up to that very moment, in all her efforts to break or bend the man she hated with all her heart, she was making one last effort to triumph over him. Incapable of understanding the friendship between the men, underestimating Yusuf's strength of character, believing in her colossal vanity, that he was merely the victim of a petty jealousy roused by her beauty and her power over the sheikh, she had decided to make her request before her father upon a day when, so she thought, no one would dare refuse her anything. Yea, little brother, replied Mohammed Abd, the fastest mayor in all Arabia knowing nothing whatsoever about fortune-telling and merely to plague the girl yusuf slowly and with an irritating nonchalance drew certain signs upon the floor then spoke as fate who held the strings by which they were hobbled to their destinies dictated i see lula flying across the desert sands he whispered at dawn with death upon her back she flees for her life with hate revenge hard upon her heels she stumbles there is nay i see no more tis hidden in the mist of time but death death with a crown of red above her snow-white face rode her with hate upon her heels he looked across at zara who ridden with superstition and totally unaware that he was fooling her leant far back upon her cushions one hand extended with fingers spread against disaster the other clutching an amulet of good luck hanging about her neck he smiled at her terror and shrugged his shoulders spreading his hands palm uppermost as though to protest against such signs of weakness the action the look in the wonderful eyes acted as a spur upon the girl goading her to maddest wrath with a mighty effort she controlled herself and leaned far forward, eyes blazing, her lips drawn back in a snarl of hate. "'What has death to do with me?' she cried. "'Verily dost thou croak like a bird of prey. I say that I will ride Lala, the black mare, thy mare, as far as anything in the sanctuary can be thine, who art but a servant. Hearest thou? I ride Lula, the black mare.' Behold, I have ears to hear thy words, and eyes to see thy face distorted in anger. Yet I say that thou shalt not ride the mayor. The men who sat in the body of the hall, smoking or drinking coffee, whilst listening to the dispute, nudged each other at the sudden tense silence which fell between the two. A golden piece, Bowlegs, to the dagger, is thy belt. That trouble befalls before the coffee grows cold within the cups whispered the patriarch whose benign exterior covered a heart given entirely to gambling bowlegs who had gained his unpoetical sobriquet on account of his lower limbs which had become almost circular through his infantile desire to run before he could crawl laid his dagger on the carpet beside the golden piece nay not to-day fall the trouble will between the two who love each other as love the cat and dog but not upon the tiger-cub's day of festival. Hist! She speaks. And why shall I not ride the black mare? 
Zara spoke slowly, clearly, whilst the sheikh looked from one to the other in grief and anxiety. Because she is in foal. It was a lie. The girl knew it was a lie. The sheikh knew it was a lie as he leaned forward and tried to catch her hand. He was too late. Liar! she screamed. A cursed liar! She screamed again as she seized a heavy cut glass bowl and hurled it in Yusuf's face, against which it smashed to pieces, cutting it to ribbons, a thousand needle-pointed splinters of glass, putting out forever the light of the wondrous eyes. The box went in search of the lid until it met with it. Arabic proverb. The mistaken love of friends saved him, though would it have been far kinder to have let him close his blinded eyes in the last long sleep, from which he would perchance have wakened with a clearer vision and a better understanding. The will of Allah? Does your brother live or die? Speak quickly, lest I pinch thy windpipe twixt thumb and finger. Some many days later, the renowned herbalist procured from Huta in the Harik oasis by the simple process of kidnapping and brought, blindfolded, by swiftest camel to the curing of the sick man, looked up at al-Assad, the gigantic Nubian. He lives, replied the wizened old man, gently removing the Nubian's slender fingers from about his scraggy throat. But would have died long ere my advent, if it had not been for the tender ministrations of young woman Namla and her son, smitten with dumbness. Al-Assad nodded as he looked to where Namla, the busy, who had tended the sick man day and night, stretched out pieces of soft white muslin to dry, with the help of her son. Ay, verily has she a heart made for mothering, two apples has she, one for each eye, two sons, though which one she loves the most we do not know. The one is gifted with speech and is slow of wit, or the dumb one with a mind like yonder sparkling water. Hey, Namla, thou busy aunt, wilt give thy boy to the herbalist, so that he acquires much learning in medicine? Namla clutched her dumb boy to her heart. I will kill him or her who takes one of mine from me, she shrilled, taking off the amulet of good luck from about her own neck to hang it round her son's. The jewels, the fair name, yea, even the eyes canst thou take from a woman, but her man-child, never. She spat in the direction of the dwelling, where slept the girl upon whom she waited sometimes as body-woman, whereupon the Nubian laughed good-naturedly, bidding her keep a hold upon her tongue. Yea, but verily, said the unsuspecting herbalist, does the sheikh's daughter need a whip across her shoulders? and thou thy tongue pulled forth by the roots. Al-Assad, who loved the sheikh's daughter with all the strength of his fierce nature, made an ineffectual grab at the terrified old man as he shot like a rabbit down the rocky path, then laughed and looked up to where the girl slept, and fell a-dreaming of the day when, now that Yusuf was out of the running, he might perchance, by right of force, step into the sheikh's shoes upon his death, to rule the leaderless men and to wed the fatherless daughter. The wounds healed, the fever abated, yet for many days feigning weakness, tended by the dumb youth whom he christened his eyes, Yusuf lay planning revenge for his loss of sight. 
distraught with pain unable to control his thoughts in the agony of his wounds he finally decided to leave it to time which did not mean that he murmured kismet in the quiet watches of the everlasting night which had fallen upon him the oriental submits uncomplainingly to sickness misfortune and death but he sees to it that his revenge is of his own fashioning and one that will if possible descend into the furthest generation he left his sickbed a seemingly humble repentant and forgiving soul blaming himself for the disaster and promising to make amends for past misdemeanor seemingly for not for one single moment of the dreary days and pain-filled sleepless nights did the thought of revenge leave his tortured mind bereft of the joys of hunting and the daily thrills which make part of a marauder's life he wandered by day ever guarded by his eyes around and about the buildings of the monastery and over the rocks amongst which they had been built at night he lay until the coming of the dawn he could not see thinking planning discarding to think and plan again the second sight of the blind through touch and auditory nerve came to him swiftly until at length sure-footed as a goat he passed where no other would have dared to place a foot of a truth there did not seem to be a rock or precipice or height round through or over which he could not lead one safely nor human whom he could not designate by the sound of his or her footfall on sand or rock it approached the uncanny even in the blind bringing with it a certain respect from others who thinking him possessed of a digin or evil spirit of the desert left him alone with the exception of mohammed abd and the half-caste nubian who loved him only one whit less than they loved the girl who had blinded him refusing all aid even that of his eyes he passed days in discovering and establishing the exact position of the narrow path which stretched through the quicksands up to the foot of the mountain day after day night after night in the cool of sunrise or sunset in the peace of star or moonlight or in the noonday heat he followed the edge of the quicksands upon his knees feeling and digging until one noon his slender fingers found that for which they searched he turned his face to the sun and sure-footed as a goat picked his way step by step backwards feeling feeling with his toes across the quaking bog to the spear stuck fast between two rocks there he passed the blazing hours registering the location of the path by the lay of the sun upon his rocks and his mutilated face and never once afterwards did he fail by day to find his way unaided either going out or coming in across the narrow way he crossed the desert at night upon the back of either one or the other of the two animals he loved to ride and which with the help of his eyes and much patience he trained to negotiate the path without fear and without help of guiding hand or knee during the training lula spoilt and sensitive had well-nigh lost her life more times than could be numbered whereas Fium, the black dromedary ambled indifferently across the dangerous path as though its great cushioned feet trod the desert sands a magnificent beast this black hygiene of oman brainless as a sheep 
swift as the wind as enduring as it was obstinate it was worth the price of many blood-red rubies on account of its color and had fallen to yusuf as his share of the spoil resultant upon a sanguinary and none too successful attack upon a caravan of camels belonging to the great sheikh hamid the camel king and with it all he waited patiently and with the oriental's fatalism throughout the years for his revenge upon zara the arabian subtle crafty determined that by his hand alone should punishment fall upon her he had argued with and beseeched the sheikh and his fellow-men to spare her even upon the night of the disaster had he whispered between the cut lips held together by the hour in nameless tender fingers had whispered in urgent entreaty until the men crowding about his couch thinking him crazed with fever touched their foreheads as they looked at each other and made oath upon the beard of the prophet to do so they had thought him crazed with fever then thereafter they ever thought him slightly mad they would touch their foreheads when he spoke gently of the girl and would shake their heads when he questioned them closely about the suitors who afire with the tales of her beauty and her wealth came themselves or sent emissaries laden with gifts piled high on camel back to ask her hand in marriage they thought him slightly mad whereas if they could but have seen into his sane and cunning mind they would have understood that his interest in the girl's marriage had root in a great fear that he would be cheated of his revenge but zara exceeding proud of the european blood in her veins had no wish to wed at an age when european girls were still at school neither had she the slightest intention of becoming one of the four wives which mohammed the prophet in his wisdom knowing the weakness of character and want of self-control in man allotted unto the male sex so that yusuf sighed in relief as each suitor blindfolded was led back across the path by which blindfolded he had come and laden with gifts set upon the homeward track actively he knew he could do nothing in revenge until fate whispered in his ear but in a hundred ways a hundred times a day he made the girl's life a burden to her he refused to cover his face which was no fit sight for man or woman and took to haunting her craftily withal so that it seemed that by mere chance his shadow fell so often upon the path she trod she had no escape from him if she passed in a crowd he picked out her footfall when the place was full of the sound of the neighing of horses and the barking of dogs he could hear her coming and quick and silent as a beast of prey sliding slipping holding by his hands would reach the spot where knowing the turns and twists of every path he knew that she must pass he would stand or sit without movement staring at her out of sightless orbits while she believing him ignorant of her presence would pass swiftly silently with averted head and fingers spread against misfortune he stood close behind her in the shadows wrapped in the bedouin cloak as she leaned on the wall watching the fight between the dogs one of which had been accepted as a gift by the rejected suitor who at that moment made his adieu to the sheikh in the hall of judgment 
In the depths of the girl's startling eyes shone a merciless light. An amused smile curved the beautiful scarlet mouth. She clapped her hands covered in jewels, and, jogged by fate, laughed aloud at the despair of the groom who had allowed the dogs to escape from the kennels. Jaw locked in jaw, bleeding, exhausted, the dogs were fighting to the death. But they sprang apart when the sound of the girl's laughter was brought to them on the evening breeze, and crouched, glaring upwards, ruffs on end, growling, the anger of the moment forgotten in their hatred of the woman. Furious at the dog's display of hatred in front of the attendant, consumed with the desire to punish them, Zara turned to run up the steps leading to the Hall of Judgment, where were stacked the weapons of defense. "'Thy spear!' she shouted to a youth who came towards her from the men's quarters. She seized it from him and leapt upon the wall, standing straight and beautiful, her white draperies blown against her by the evening breeze. She paid no attention to the shouting of the groom. Instead she took careful aim and laughed as the spear, flashing like silver in the sun's rays, sped downwards and buried itself in the flank of the greyhound, which had been accepted as a gift by her father's guest. Her vanity appeased, she turned away. Neither did she look back as she mounted the steps to her own dwelling. Had she but glanced over her shoulder, she might have taken a warning from the terrible look of satisfaction on blind Yusuf's face. The little bird preens the breast while the sportsman sets his net. He laughed to himself as he muttered the proverb and passed on into the shadows and out of sight. End of chapter 1 Recording by Mary in Arkansas